Welcome to We Can't Watch, the podcast where we have Halloween and New Year at the same time. Today we review Halloween Havoc 1993. With me on the podcast, Tony Tarantula. Yeah, right. And Dan Dracula. Hello. So in music, released in this month, Alapalooza by Weird Al Yankovic. Ugh. It's awful. Featuring a Jurassic Park parody of MacArthur Park. Jurassic Park is frightening in the dark. All the dinosaurs are running wild. Someone shut the fence off in the rain. Brilliant. Red Hot Chili Peppers, R.E.M., ACDC and Aerosmith parodies and Bohemian Polka, a polka version of Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody. I see a little silhouette of a man Scaramouche, Scaramouche, will you do the Fandango? Thunderbolt and lightning, very, very frightening me Galileo, 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 I don't like him either. Do you remember when he was like huge? He was like a big thing. Oh, yeah. He was massive, wasn't he? Michael Jackson thing he did. Did he used to get play on MTV and stuff? Yeah, he did. Pearl Jam's difficult second album, Versus, came out October 19th, 1993, selling 950,000 copies in the first week. It's mental. I know, right? Back when record sales existed. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And Easy e released an EP enti- entirely aimed at dissing Dr. Dre, featuring the classic rap diss, Real Motherfucking G's, awkwardly retitled as Real Compton City G's for radio. I hate when they do that to songs. <laughs> So awkward. <laughs> at the movies, Cool Runnings came out October 1st, grossing more than 150 million at the box office, with a budget of only 14 million. Classic. It's a great film, that. Yeah. Get the bobsleighs out. I've not seen it. I fucking knew it. Oh my god. I knew you'd not seen it. And you've gone to see Flubber. <laughs> yeah, wow. The Beverly Hillbillies movie was released two weeks later based on the TV series from the 60s of the same name. It grossed more than double its budget. And at the end of the month, actor River Phoenix accidentally died of a drug overdose at the Viper Room in LA. He was only 23 as well. Yeah, it's meant not that, isn't it? Makes me feel old. Mm. On television, the first Got Milk commercial aired on American television. Do you know who directed that? No. Go on. Michael Bay. Fuck off. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Got milk. Was there any uh, pyros in it? Any explosions? <laughs> it's like big milk truck just explodes and everything. We need a good story, so <laughs> Michael Bay's like, at first we're like, bah! And then we're like, bah! An 18-wheeler spins out of control, and it's all like, 
brush in this huge tanker full of diamonds. Crawl, crawl. That that's not storytelling. That's just special effects, Michael. I don't understand the difference. The John Stewart Show debuted on MTV the day after Halloween Havoc 1993. Okay, I didn't know he'd been going that long. He only sort of got over in the UK a couple of like years ago before he retired. People still don't really know who he is. I only know him through wrestling. Yeah, me too. I wasn't sure. Comedy Central. I don't watch that. I'm not American. <laughs> I can't date. <laughs> We're well into season five. The greatest season of The Simpsons, in my opinion. I'll tell you what. I was just going to say, I watched the season five episode before we did this for me tea. My favourite episode, Carpet Fear. <laughs> Carp Carpa Fear. Jesus, Dan. Cape Fear, then. Cape Fear, that's the one, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, airing in October 1993 were Cape Fear. Oh, brilliant. Mr. Thompson. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Oh, now, when I say hello, Mr. Thompson, and press down on your foot, you smile and nod. No problem. Hello, Mr. Thompson. I think he's talking to you. Homer goes to college. Oh, nerds! <laughs> Nerd! <laughs> they pull that pig's tail. Rosebud? Rosebud. Which one's that? That's the classic episode, isn't it? I don't like it as much as Carper Fear. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, Rosebud's alright. That's the one where Mr. Burns loses his teddy bear. Yeah, Maggie has it, doesn't she? And Treehouse of Horror 4, where Homer trades his soul for a donut, Bart discovers a gremlin on the side of the bus, Oh yeah. and Mr. Burns turns out to be a vampire. Oh yeah, the Simpsons all go around the house. They all turn into vampires. And then they just start playing Christmas songs. <laughs> but more importantly than any of that shit on television in 1993 in October, was in the UK, QVC launched. Oh, your favourite channel. Oh, it was Gems TV was your favourite. It was Gems TV I always preferred the most. Yeah. But there would be no Gems TV without QVC, so... Yeah, QVC was like the Beatles of shopping channels for the UK. <coughs> yeah, my mum used to watch uh, it. Gems TV is very much the oasis. What did your mum used to do, then? She used to buy a lot of shit off QVC. Did she? Fucking hell. What did she get? Give me an example of the things she would buy off it. I don't know. Watches, suitcases. Oh, fair enough. Napkins. That's all stuff you could just buy. Feather dusters. She used to buy shit off the Avon lady as well. She didn't buy anything crazy. I was waiting for you to say, like, oh, the chicken roasting kit or something. Or... No, she probably bought some sort of juicer or some sort of crap on there that she never used. Hang on one sec. Just pull my headphone out. Probably, you can probably notice that I'm shivering. It's fucking freezing here at the moment. It's like below zero where I'm recording this right now. <sighs> Are you outside? I might as well be. I don't put the heating on, Dan. I'm not made of money. It's been a bit cold here, but... The same week as Halloween Havoc, WWF aired live from the Mid-Hudson Civic Centre in Poughkeepsie, New York. The Steiners squashed two jobbers, one of them being a young Justin Credible named P.G. Walker at the time. They repeatedly compared the feud between Macho Man and Crush to the Cold War and Reagan versus Gorbachev. Jesus. And Vince McMahon introduced WWF viewers to a new country and Western wrestler who went by the name of... 
Road Dog Jesse James. <laughs> Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> it's never not funny. That's what's annoying. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dan got it right. Jeff Jarrett. Double J, Jeff Jarrett. And sort of in keeping with it, who was his role there? Um, Road Dog Jesse James. Was it? Oh, yeah. Fuck, it was. He sang the song for him because Jarrett's voice wasn't all that good. That brings us to today, Halloween Havoc 1993, October 24th, with 6,000 in attendance at the Lakefront Arena in New Orleans, Louisiana. This arena held ECW's November to Remember 1998. Notable We Can't Watch stars on that show included Tracy Smothers losing to Tommy Rogers and Jake Roberts teaming with Tommy Dreamer to defeat Just Incredible and Jack Victory. Saucy that. The last taped wrestling at the lakefront was a December 30th episode of SmackDown from 2004, which featured John Cena retaining his US title against Rene Dupree. Fucking Rene Dupree. Kurt Angle defeating Matt Stryker in 48 seconds. <coughs> what the hell? This is a weird one. JBL retaining his WWE title in 18 seconds against Shannon Moore. Shannon Moore. Wow. Fanaki versus Spike Dudley for the Cruiserweight title. And the main event was ECW versus WCW with Rey Mysterio and RVD defeating Eddie Guerrero and Booker T to retain their tag titles in a hearty 21-minute match. That's a pretty nice main event, that. Mm. But tells you how bad SmackDown and WWF were doing under the brand split at that time if they were doing a 6,000 or I think it was around 8,000 attendance at the lakefront. I mean, ugh. Mm. When Austin was there a few years previous, it was doing like 18,000 seaters. I know, it's because my boy Triple H was doing so well with Evolution on Raw. <laughs> it's because he didn't want to work Tuesdays, as Paul Heyman said. Yeah. <laughs> the only reason you've been champion for so long. It's a classic line, that one. The only reason you were WWE champion for a year is because Triple H didn't want to work Tuesday. Four kids are out on the streets trick-or-treating. Yeah. It's getting late. <laughs> it's getting late and one kid wants to turn around and head home and watch Halloween Havoc. Ooh, I'm hey guys, I've got this great idea. Matt, I'm tired and I want to go home. Besides, Halloween Havoc is about to start. I love um, how the child that does it is dressed up as bloody Sting for Halloween as well. I know, I was like, for ages I was thinking, why is that kid dressed as the ultimate warrior? <laughs> Brilliant ultimate warrior. I didn't have my head screwed on right when I was watching it. Also, why do they want to go home and watch Halloween Havoc? Halloween Havoc was on October 24th. That means they went out trick-or-treating a week before <laughs> Halloween. <laughs> it's not meant to be real, Mark. What the fuck's going oh, on? The, fucking, the, the acting's so bad in this as well. Oh, it's so bad. You have been picking houses all night long. Now it's my turn. Yeah, that's only because we ended up with two pieces of last year's Christmas fruitcake from the last one you picked. Yeah! Whatever house you pick better be good. Good? You want good? This will be better than good. This one will be great. And I want that.
This place is creepy. What are you guys, babies or something? This place ain't that bad. Well, look at it, Matt. It looks like it's haunted. Let's just go home and watch Halloween Havoc and forget all about this one. We've got plenty of candy already. What are you, scared? <laughs> you know I'm pretty sure the lead guy is Sam Levine from Freaks and Geeks. Have you ever seen that? I've heard of it. I've never seen it, though. Mm. I'm pretty sure it's Sam Levine. He looks just like him. But yeah, the acting's so hammy and bad. It's like, who said to bring the sister? Cool. Uh, I think I hear mom calling. Sisters, what a pain. Who brought her? The Sam Levine kid picks out a scary-looking house to solicit for candy. Tony Pedo Shivani answers the door <laughs> and tries to lure children into his house, first for cookies <laughs> and then to see something scary. Hi, kids. Wow, it's Tony Shivani. Hey, shouldn't you be at the pay-per-view? Um, I have a helicopter waiting to pick me up in a few minutes. What's that smell, Tony? It's my wife. She's baking cookies. Would you kids like to have some? What kind are they? Only a kind a mother could make. Why don't you come inside and have a bite of her cookies? Come and eat my wife. It's so badly delivered. <laughs> Where is your wife? She's cooking cookies. It's really creepy. Also, Shivani does this really weird menace into the camera and like perverted smile when the kids come into the house. We have enough treats already. We came here to see something scary. You want to see something scary? I'll show you something scary. What we don't notice is when the, the camera shoots up, he's actually got his pants off. <laughs> Sat there with his dick out. He's got them levitating above his head. <laughs> Shivani slinks down the stairs into a seductive smoking jacket and then barrels into listing the card for Halloween Havoc about an inch away from a child's face. Gee, Mrs. Shivani, how did you get up there so fast? Don't you kids know? All things are possible on All Hallows' Eve. Frightening, chilling things like spin the wheel, make the deal. Just one haunting spin. Will lock Cactus Jack Invader in combat when it lands on one of its many ghoulish haunting matches. The kid in the Dracula cape obviously watched last year's fucking spin the wheel because he decides that it's not scary enough and he won't be ordering the pay-per-view unless it's something truly horrifying. But the best bit is his mate's already ordered it. He's like, let's go home and watch it. So he's already ordered it. It's true. It's not gonna be scary. If you can't come up with something better than that, we are leaving. Shivani loses his shit, rips his face off, and turns into a cheap late 1970s Doctor Who monster as we crash into the lakefront arena with Pyro spilling into ringside and Eric Bischoff shouting into a mic on the rampway, dressed as one of the Young Pistols. <laughs> the Young Pistols, brilliant. <laughs> His Halloween costume, I don't know, but it seems 
quite the wrong costume for the for the place that they're in. Why? How is it the wrong costume? Uh, I'm I'm not big up on the American Civil War history, but I'm pretty sure uh, isn't General Custer the uh, Confederate leader? Yeah, but wasn't Louisiana a Confederate state? Because it's in the South. Ah, make an excellent point there. Also, what's he trying to say metaphorically there, I like? Well, that's what I like, rather. I don't know what I'm trying to say there. (laughs) No, I get where you're coming from, though. He might be trying to say that, like, you know, you're all racists. Oh, no, I thought he was trying to say that he's the general, like General Custer. You know, metaphorically, he's the general of WCW now. Are they a bunch of rednecks? <laughs> Dan's got such a simple understanding of America. Dan, is America on a map to you? Just New York, Los Angeles, and then rednecks. Is that how it works? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Mm, I thought as much. Because New Orleans had a lot of uh, racist shit in the past. Yeah, it did. And I just figured that like it was bad taste for him to be the confederate general we've probably got a load of american listeners right now tearing their hair out of this but we didn't learn this shit in school i'm afraid we have to learn about boring stuff in school the spanish armada the evacuation of fucking kids in world war ii and we had to watch goodnight mr tom about 50 times oh i love that film i knew you'd like it dan (laughs) i've never even seen that oh my god fuck off i don't even know what that is where was i in the 90s General Bischoff then throws us to Tony Schiavone at ringside, who's dressed as Jesse Ventura. He's brilliant, that one. Yeah, it was good. And Jesse Ventura, who is dressed as Bourbon Street's number one gynecologist. (laughs) (laughs) Which basically is a doctor's outfit and a mask with the tongue reaching up the entire side of the head. (laughs) It's fucking awful. I love the way the lady in the front row as well is like completely cracking up and the kids behind her are like, I'm laughing, but I don't know why this is funny. One of them when they uh, watch it back in a couple of years, they'll crack up and enjoy it more. Tony runs down the card but gets cuffed by Jesse, sticking a thermometer up his rectum. And we're into our first match of the evening. <laughs> Harlem Heat, Kane and Cole and the Equalizer versus the Shockmaster, Ice Train and Charlie Norris. God. Now it's Harlem Heat's turn to look after the equaliser for a bit. Also, what the fuck's going on with the Shockmaster? He got like a huge pop. Are the crowd cheering ironically? No, I don't know, but he got the biggest pop out of everyone. See that WCW rules the world sign as Harlem Heat and the Eek make their way to ringside as well. I love how the uh, equaliser's yet to have his own entrance music and entrance yet. <laughs> like, it just shows how little faith they have in him. They've like palmed him off with Paul Mollendorf one time, then they palmed him off with Rick Rude. He's Bez, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's Bez. Yep, going on tour, baby. And the important thing is, I'm not Bez. Excellent, baby. What's a Bez? Oh, uh, Bez in American. He's kind of like, um, you know Flavor Flav from Public Enemy? Yeah, well, he's kind of like him, but with maracas. I want to be there on merit. He literally isn't ever going to be there on merit, is he? No. I won't be Bez. I want to be in there on merit. I don't think you'll make it in on merit. Just get me in. Then we'll see about merit. Booker T and Ice Train start off the match. Ice Train floors Booker repeatedly, with Booker unable to return the favour. Norris is in next, continuing the dominance of the Jobber Face team and then lastly tags in Shockmaster for a piece of the action. 
And we get the Uncle Fred chants again going off in the crowd. I think they're all just pissed up. Shockmaster, don't call me Uncle Fred, as uh, <laughs> Tony Schiavone keeps referring to him as. Do you know it's on commentary how it seems now that basically the Shockmaster's gimmick is he's like a clumsy fat guy that becomes agile once he gets in the ring. Yeah. Like they've actually made it his gimmick. He's been working the morning shift, like on a building site, his little bloody hard hat. Probably more likely been up all night in a gay club. <laughs> With Charlie Norris. Oh, is he gay? Is well, he? I couldn't see because they make sure that they ain't shooting from the back because then he'll be probably wearing arseless chaps or something when he's <laughs> making With him and Charlie Norris, we've only, already got two members of yeah. Village People. We just need Ice Train to dress up as a copper or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking Village People. <laughs> it's basically two sides of New York meeting. You've got like the Upper West Side, the gay side, and Harlem meeting each other. And the equaliser's like some drunk from an Irish bar. Oh, right. I was going to say, you could the equaliser be? You notice how the crowd are really hot for such an inconsequential job a tag match as well. I know, yeah, they're loving it, aren't they? Hot tag to Shockmaster, don't call me Uncle Fred, as he lays waste to Harlem <laughs> Heat and Eek. Shockmaster gets his bear hug in on Booker with a spinebuster to finish and a three count for the faces at 9 minutes and 45 seconds. Poor old fucking Booker's been pinned again by the Shockmaster. Harlem Heat get jobbed out a lot, don't they? Like, they don't get much Mm. shitting, is what I'm saying. Yeah. I didn't see any of uh, Stevie Ray in this match, not really. It's all Booker won it. And the Equaliser. Does the Equaliser have, like, a massive losing streak going on on this podcast as well? (laughs) Have we seen him win anything yet? (laughs) Um, I don't think he's won anything. We'll have to go back and have a look, actually. What do you think of that match, then? It was like the equivalent of uh, Goldust and Half-Truth versus Breeze Dango, but actually half-decent. Old, like, shit gimmick jobbers. And, like, obviously Goldust is a legend now, but, you know... And they just they managed to make something nice out of it and got the fans involved. Uh, considering I didn't think we were going to watch it, because I thought it was a dark match and we wouldn't see it, but uh, I thought it was a nice little opener. I like the Harlem Heat and I quite like Ice Train. The Shockmaster's good for a laugh, isn't he? And so is the Equaliser. Charlie Norris. I don't even know who that bloke is. Backstage, Terry Taylor returns. The computerised man is back on the podcast. He's looking a bit weird with that beach blonde hair, isn't he? I was going to say, he's got himself a mullet. Mm, he's looking like a beaten man. He's like literally come back to the company in a fucking degrading second referee spot in tonight's match for the WCW title between Flair and Rick Rude. And it's like tail between the legs. He's looking like he should be auditioning for YMCA with Ice Train. With that hair. Who could he play then? The pervy ice cream man or something? <laughs> didn't, uh... <laughs> didn't what? I was going to say, like, you're saying it's a bit coming in as a second referee. Wasn't that like Bret Hart's job at Starcade? <laughs> <laughs> That's true, actually, yeah. He's gone to WWF, got jobbed out in 24 seconds in the Royal Rumble, got no TV time pretty much after that, and been like, please, can I come back? Please. And they've been like, okay. He does look kind of defeated. 
He tries to put his best like, I've come back and I'm going to show everybody I can be the good guy and I can get over really well with the crowd. I'm sure everyone remembers what a bastard I was last time I was here. Yeah. But now I'm going to try and make amends. That's basically the motivation. It's the eyes that give it away. It's always the eyes that give it away. This sadness in them. Mm. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Thank you, Tony Schiavone. You are absolutely correct. We will indeed have two referees in this critical matchup with ravishing Rick Rude and Ric Flair. And joining me now, Terry Taylor, the man who was chosen by the WCW Board of Directors to be that second referee. And Terry Taylor, let me ask you, a lot of people wanted the job that you have. Why did you politics so hard? Why did you want this opportunity? Well, thank you very much. This is not a Halloween outfit. I really am gonna be a referee. And people say, why, Terry, do you want to be a referee in a match of this magnitude? That's exactly why. Ric Flair, Rick Rude, they hate each other. They both want that gold belt, they want the prestige, they want to prove they are the man. Is this the end of an era with Ric Flair and the beginning of another one with Rick Rude? We're gonna find out tonight, and the thing that makes me feel so good that I've done a lot of bad things in the past, and I think everybody out there knows it. Here's a chance for me to do something good. I'm gonna make an unpopular decision, maybe, or maybe make a popular one. I'm gonna call it right down the middle. Take it away, General Custer. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again Because a vision softly What do you think is going to happen to you as well? When the last time you were in the same company that you were just about to go to, they made you a job of chicken. Like, how are you going to get any better? <laughs> Match two, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff with the Assassin versus Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. <sighs> as promised, the Assassin is back on the podcast. Why is the assassin back and why is he with him? He's got a fake feud with Dusty Rhodes. Like, Dusty Rhodes hasn't stepped been on TV since fucking Slambury, but the assassin wants to keep this fucking feud going like they're going to have a legit match. Oh, yeah. The promo thing. Yeah, I remember. He just keeps cutting promos on Dusty Rhodes. He probably made him shoot a load of vignettes with him and Dusty in the car park before this pay-per-view <laughs> that never made it to air that they cut out for actual decent wrestling for a change. Poor old Orndorff, though. He's always paired with out-of-shape, beer-gutted maniacs at every corner. Equaliser. Against all odds, he's like an older dude with a good physique. And yeah, he's stuck with the equaliser, and now he's got the bloody assassin. <laughs> he did have rude for a match, so, you know. That's exactly what I think happened, because that was his first match as well. So I bet they said, oh, if you come in, Paul, we'll put you with Rude. Put him with Rude, and then went, now you're with these. <laughs> Look around the locker room, because these are your new friends. <laughs> it's not hard to see them. Yeah, it is hard to see them, because they're at McDonald's in the drive-thru. <laughs> <laughs> the Paula chants haven't gone away either, have they? It's got loads of heat, hasn't it? Paula, Paula. It's back and forth in the opening stages with Steamboat rolling up Orndorff for a two count and then being floored to the outside with a clothesline a second or two later. Mm. From the rampway, Orndorff punches an elbow Steamboat and the dragon gives everything he has to hit a flying splash on Orndorff through the ropes, but Orndorff manages to duck out the way. Pardon me. This is where Steamboat works on the arms. Oh, the arms, sorry. Yeah, and... um. Orndorff sells the arm for the rest of the match as well. They brawl at ringside next with Steamboat flying over the safety rail and into the crowd by the hands of Mr. Wonderful. Mr. Wonderful tries for a pile driver but gets reversed into a series of fantastic bridging pin spots from the dragon. Ooh, I like those. 
Yeah, it's always nice. Steamboat has it one with a top rope flying body press, but the assassin distracts the ref just long enough for Paul Orndorff to recover at two. See the assassin clamber onto that fucking ring apron as well. I know, yeah. He started getting up there about 10 minutes earlier just to make sure. <laughs> this big bowling ball man in a mask. Oh, he's well out of breath as well. He's like fucking Barney Gumble or something. <laughs> Steamboat Man handles the referee and gets sent over the top rope by Orndorff in the process. The assassin uses the confusion to put something in his mask and headbutt the dragon in the back of the head. Like, what was that he put in the front of his mask? I thought it was that powder shit that I thought he was going to spray it in his eyes or something at this point, but. <laughs> that wouldn't be very manly, though, would it, of the assassin, Dan, if he got a load of powder in his palm and just blew it very delicately into the face of. <laughs> <laughs> That's more for the likes of Liz. Give him like a powder puff, like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pat his face down. You look beautiful, Ricker. You look beautiful. Very Halloween of him. Twinkle. <laughs> it was weird anyway. Steamboat eventually comes to at ringside, but not in time to make the 10 count. And Mr. Wonderful, Paul Orndorff, gets a much needed win by count out at 18 minutes and 35 seconds. 10, it's over. Wonderful wins about a count out. Ladies and gentlemen, the winner of the match as a result of a count out, Mr. It was, uh, it was a nice one, this, but, like, Jesse Ventura, once again. Because he's right, Steamboat gets away with a lot of shit in this match, and the crowd fucking cheered it. He basically does heel tactics 101, and the crowd cheer the shit out of him. When he pushes the referee. Yeah. There's a lot of faces acting as heels in this pay-per-view tonight. It's a recurring theme for whoever's mm. booking the matches backstage, I notice. Yeah, I know, but Steamboat does it a lot. Every match we've watched with him, like, Steamboat does so much stuff that, like, when he got angry and beat up that... Who was it he beat up in front of his kid? Rude, wasn't it? Yeah, Rick Rude. He started attacking him in front of his kid. And, like, Jesse called him out on that as well. And I was like, yeah, yeah, Jesse, you're right there, actually. And again, I, I, mean, I spent the whole match going... Yeah, Jesse, you're right. But it just turns out Paul Andoff's a better cheater. It's nice to see Mr. Wonderful finally get a win as well. Yeah, I love Paula. <laughs> Paula! It feels like it should be Stella from Streetcar Named Desire. Paula! <laughs> That's what I hear every time I hear Paula. Hey, Stella! Next up, Jesse and Tony pimp the UK and Germany tours beginning the week following Halloween Havoc and the general world tour that WCW are going on because they're going to go to Japan a lot as well. And they introduce us to the first all-European bout on this podcast, Battle of Britain mm. for the WCW World Television Championship. Let me do that again. I didn't like that read. Battle of Britain for the WCW World Television Championship. That wasn't much better. British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith versus Lloyd, Lloyd, Lord Stephen Regal. Lloyd from fucking Coronation Street. <laughs> oh my God, Lloyd from the, the cabs, taxis. Yeah, 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 the guy that used to be Craig in Red Faction. Red Faction? Not Red Faction, Red fucking... <laughs> Red Dwarf? Red Dwarf, that's it. What's yeah. Red Faction? It's a game, in it? <laughs> it's a game, yeah. Yeah, it's a game. <laughs> Red fucking Faction. Lloyd Regal. It's because I'm thinking of fucking 
UK and London and Lloyd's and Lord. <laughs> Lloyd's TSP. Well, and also after this pay-per-view, Cactus Jack in the main events getting ready to cash in his Lloyd's of London insurance policy and retire. Brilliant. So I've had that on my mind all day. But yeah, Lord Stephen Regal champion with Sir William. It's Rich versus Poor. Waitrose versus Asda, EasyJet versus BA, Sky versus Virgin Media. <laughs> Here's an interesting question. Who is older out of these two, Lord Regal or British Bulldog? Bulldog. Correct. I was going to go with Re- Oh, fuck off. Yeah, I know. Six years older. Who is? British Bulldog. Bulldog. Oh, right. Yeah, I thought he was. Regal's quite young when he started in WCW. That's like a turn up for the books. Looks older though, doesn't he, Regal? Yeah, it's babyface though, isn't he? Our old uh, Davy Boy, that's what they used to call him. Babyface Davy Boy Smith back in Blackpool. He's not babyface anymore. I mean, Davy Boy used to go out cooking meth on weekends. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. What for? Uh, used to, was he doing his uh, I'm a tank promo in town on the streets? I'm a tank! <laughs> <laughs> Fucking. Fucking love that. In the opening stages of this match, Tony Schiavone's moustache falls off on commentary. Like, he's obviously not a very good Jesse Ventura, is he? No, but Ventura makes a nice joke saying he's, he's the, what is it, something about he grows the quickest moustache he's ever seen or something like that. don't know, it was meant to be, it was quite funny. Oh, it was a, I remember that joke, Dan. It was a dad joke. It was terrible. It was like, oh. It was a Tony joke, that. He was like, oh, you managed to grow it and lose all your hair in a week. Because he's like got the bald skull cap on and the fake moustache to look like Jesse. Mm. And I was just like, Jesse, you fucking knob. What is that? <laughs> I, I laughed at that. There's a great moment when Jesse turns to Tony and says, that's a terrible bower. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, he's actually pissed off about the bowling. They definitely have both been out on the town. There's no doubt in my mind now. I know I've been mulling it for the last few episodes. There's no doubt in my mind now that Jesse Ventura is moulding Tony as his wingman to like go from each. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Down Bourbon Street in fucking New Orleans tonight. I reckon Tony just sits there with a fucking scotch and a cigar while Jesse just brings birds over, and Tony's just like. Oh, sake not again gotta get him laid (laughs) (laughs) the match is a technical masterclass from both men i don't think lord stephen regal is going to have a terrible match on the run of this podcast i love watching him he's all technical and i love how jesse gets wet over watching him as well (laughs) i guess if we review some nitros we might see a bad one there's a few that do spring to mind quite impressed with uh old davy boy here as well it's because he's not on the meth Mm, no, I think he's pretty much on it. I think he's definitely on it at this point. Yeah, he's out of his tree still. What I want to know is, why has he gone from going for the world title to going to the TV title? Even though I love Regal... Well, you I just don't... answered your own question, Dan, with the wrong answer, if you get my drift. <laughs> because he's on the meth. It's not that. It's because of the UK tour. That's the lineup for the UK tour. Regal versus uh, David Boy, UK versus UK. But... Davy Boy was meant to be the next big star. I know, but it's just uh, it's just it's just booking one or one, isn't it? You put the hometown favourites in your main event at the whatever tour you're doing, yeah, and they're going to the enough. UK and Europe. So yeah, and Tony's right as well. This card you're seeing today is uh, tonight, actually, rather, is actually the same card you'll see on that UK tour because this is the same UK tour that WCW had where Cactus Jack ripped his ear off in Germany. 
So same European tour, rather. I'd tell you what would be nice. If anyone listens to this and they've actually been on that tour, that'd be great if they could get in touch with us on the Twitter or something to let us know what it was like. I like how you call it the Twitter. Like, get us on the Facebook. That's at we can't watch WCW. Dan doesn't know. He has to call it the Twitter. Like, it's an old <laughs> stove that he keeps. Should we put the Twitter on? Oh, no, leave it off for another half hour, love. <laughs> oh, that was the best. The story of the cats and the gas. Oh, yeah, when when you fucking... When when the cats tried to kill us with a gas and you came steaming into my room holding both of them going, Do you smell gas? <laughs> Out your tree. <laughs> at four o'clock in the morning. Um, and I made him get out of the house. <laughs> and Dan was the only one stupid enough to get out of the house. <laughs> I was like, I was completely tripping out of my mind at like three in the morning. I thought, I smell gas. What am I going to do? <laughs> So I, ran, I, I literally ran up the stairs, grabbed both the cats that we had, ran up the stairs, kicked in both doors <laughs> to the bedrooms and went, get out of the house, there's a gas leak. <laughs> he didn't say, say that, you booted me door up and just went, do you smell gas? <laughs> like like you, you needed reassuring that there was gas there. I was like, yeah, I do, I do, I'm going to have to fucking, I went downstairs and turned it off. But he told me today the first line was, he came steaming in my room with two cats and just said, you saw the gas? I'd, I drank some water and I had to spit out the window. So I was choking on the water. I, I forgot about that. That was crazy. <laughs> the regal roll's a great move, isn't it? I love that. Did you see the regal roll? We've seen it before on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, when he's doing, working on the arm, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's always a great one. Bulldog was wrestling like he's a, a cruiserweight. Doing all these flips and backflips and bloody kip, kip ups and more, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, it's more sort of the style he would have done with Dynamite in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. It was a nice little uh, Shawn Michaels jump up that he did as well. Mm, the kip up. Regal was trying to work his arm and he flipped himself up out of it. It was lovely. So William antagonises the commentary team at one point with an umbrella, but like we don't see it on screen. Ah, uh, yeah, we hear about it though, yeah. Well, yeah, barely. Shivani completely fails to paint a coherent picture of what's happening. So, like, I can't really <laughs> figure out what Sir William was doing. I don't know. Like, maybe that was the second thing to go up Tony Shivani's ass tonight after the thermometer in the opening. Be more funny! Lord Stephen tries to run down the clock with Matt submissions, but with just 30 seconds remaining, Bulldog fights back with a suplex and power body slam. There's a pile driver with six seconds remaining, and the referee times the count to perfection, with the 15-minute time limit expiring. There's, there's a thing here. I didn't, I didn't know whether the referee knew the finish, because both Davy Boy and Regal grab his hand before the free count, because the ref flies over... Um, Bulldog as it's counting down and he counts one, two and as he goes to put three to the mat both Davy Boy and Stephen Regal grab the ref's hand to stop the free count Did you uh, love how Regal was trying to antagonise Bulldog by doing his little cartwheel? I couldn't stop laughing when I saw that I didn't spot the cartwheel Didn't you? It was when he was doing no. all those fancy flips and then Regal's like right and he does a cartwheel like really slowly and then he just gets taken out, clean out I've got to say as well, this is the best uh, British Bulldog match I've watched. I quite like the Vader match he had, but yeah. It's because of Regal, though. Regal's class to watch. I think it was some good old-fashioned wrestling. 
Yeah, it was a pretty good match. I didn't mind it at all. It was a step up from what was it? Regal versus uh Eric Watts. <laughs> yeah, that's the one, Eric Watts. Oh Eric Watts is truly gone at this point now, I think. Good. You never know, you might see him appear again in the battle bowl. Ugh. Oh fuck off. Don't even talk about that yet. It's time to spin the wheel and to make the deal. Big Bad Bischoff brings out Big Van Vader and Harley Race, who spin the wheel of fortune. Or wheel of matches, rather. Or misfortune. <laughs> misfortune, brilliant. Oh, there's some great ones on there as well, like a uh, Dracula's Keeper, some shit. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck's a Dracula's Keep match? <laughs> you must wonder, if, it, if they're thinking in the back going, oh God, I hope it doesn't land on this one. Because what are we going to tell people what the rules are? Oh, Dan, you're such a mark. It's so obvious that that wheel's a work. It's fixed. It moves in a completely yeah. unnatural way. It's like faster, slower, faster, slower. Oh, it needs to go a bit faster. It's just a bloke spinning it from the back of it. Yeah. <laughs> they probably are sat in the back, though, going, you've gimmicked the wheel, aren't you? <laughs> Shit. It's Dusty Rhodes. He's the one that's, he's the one that's fucking doing the winding of it. Yeah, I can't believe as well. You would even bother having a weird wheel gimmick for Halloween. I mean, it has nothing to do with Halloween. Could you not think of something better themed than spin the wheel? I mean, because what what we get is Texas Deathmatch. That's nothing to do with Halloween. (laughs) And also, like, there's a lot of shit on there. You know what's going to happen, like a steel cage match. Where's the cage? Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I guess they could have got one of those old-timey cages out that they like. Yeah. Yeah. And put them on the side of the ring. Get the equaliser to carry them out and put them up. Make him really earn his paycheck. <laughs> him and Terry Taylor. <laughs> Paul Londorf probably get roped into doing it again then. <laughs> so yeah, Texas death match. Basically, 10 second last man standing match. I still don't get it though. I think how you do a modern one is you have to pin your opponent for 10 seconds. That's what Steve Austin was yeah. suggesting he do with Lesnar, which would literally never happen. And we all knew it wasn't going to. Like uh, the old uh, Big E's gimmick that I used to love where you used to demand a five count. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It would be a bit like that, yeah. Yeah. On this pay-per-view tonight, it seems to be more of an old-timey one where you pin for 10 seconds to get a 30-second break and you have to just be... It's like a last-man standing match. You just have to knock your opponent down for 10 seconds and stand yourself. But why is one of the rules falls don't count, but then you have to pin your opponent we'll get onto the rules later i have to get to my notes where they're written down because <laughs> it is confusing <laughs> other examples of this match include mick foley defeating the sandman in ecw and hulk hogan defeating harley race at madison square garden in 1987 for the wwf wow match for wcw united states championship Stunning Steve Austin with Colonel Robert Barker versus the natural Dustin Rhodes and champion. As Austin comes out, Jesse says, There he is, Steve Austin, the superstar of the 90s, with the least amount of conviction possible. Mm. Little did he know how right he would be, but he got fed that line in his headpiece and was like, Ugh. <laughs> no, no, it, there's a crowd, there's a sign in the crowd that says, um, Stunning Steve is the wrestler of the 90s. Oh, okay. I thought he'd been fed the line, right. And actually, that sign's been there before now, I think of it. There's so many plants. Have you noticed how the Bischoff era has loads of plants? 
in the crowd. Of course, yeah. Like, that's a common thing on the old nitros with the stunt grannies, isn't it? So. Stunt grannies. <laughs> Can you pick out the plant? It couldn't be this sweet old lady. How's that for pile driving, Miss Daisy? Now here's the secret. She's a stunt granny. And every night she puts on her pads and takes a fall. So I've noticed that, yeah, there's a lot of stunt people in the crowd tonight. Or people I suspect are stunt people, we'll see. Mm. We'll give them a fair trial in Kangaroo Court. We've got a few of them tonight. The match is a little slow to get going, but before long there are backdrops, chops in the corner, and trading blows between the two men, and a nice spot where Austin flies over the turnbuckle from an Irish whip. Yeah. I think what happened is, we had our technical masterclass in the last one, and you know how Austin used to always, I always used to wash the mesh before me, you know, so he could, like, make sure that he didn't do the same things. They make sure to make this match a very knockdown, drag out affair. But because it's the early 90s, it's mainly just punching and kicking and like stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Austin's ass is out for a split second as Dustin traps uh-huh. Stunning Steve in a roll up. It's pale as well, isn't it? Bloody hell. Since uh, Brian Pillman's been out injured, they've not been hitting the beaches as much. And uh, no. I guess they're rolling into November at this point, too. Is this coming to the point where. They split up the tag team pretty soon after yeah, this. Yeah, it's starting. And have a little feud. Because they kind of said that at the start. Jesse or mm. Tony made reference about Pillman. But then Colonel Parker apparently got him his shot as well tonight. There's also a great bit just before Austin gets his ass out where uh, they head back to the turnbuckle spot again with Dustin this time being crotched by Austin. He hits it with full force. They run across the entire length of the ring. I mean, I guess you were... Uh, Pa- uh, not a pouch would you a cup but um i would still be like oh fuck i've never worn a cup you know me neither then it's probably why you're a jaffa oh don't i'm worried about that <laughs> i might listen to this in years time and think fucking dan cursing me no uh i've not wore a cup now i can't kick a ball straight anyway so i don't need to wear a cup well, wouldn't you wear a cup for cricket? Why would you need to kick a ball straight? For rugby? They don't wear a cup for rugby. No, for football, you wear a cup. No, you don't. No, you don't. What, are you insane? Oh, American football. Depends who you are. You mean American football? No, no. What? No, soccer. No, football. you don't. Football, live football. No, you don't. Ah, so they do these days. I no, think. the opposite. You're not meant to, but I think they do now. Only sailors wear cups. <laughs> 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 not in the 90s, Austin. Well, they should, those filthy beggars. They go from port to port. What uh, protection did you use for football, Tony? What, what? Protection did you use for football, Tony? <laughs> use a 9mm automatic. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to seriously answer them, but like, shin pads, obviously, you dickhead. <laughs> Cat and mouse inside and outside the ring, as Austin hightails it. Austin hits a terrible spine buster on Dustin. No doubt a botched stun gun. Dirty pins Dustin Rose to become the new United States champion. Austin celebrates, unaware that the referee spotted Austin's feet on the ropes and orders the match to continue. Stunning Steve, unaware of the continuation of the match, fumbles for his title belt, which awkwardly isn't where he thought it would be. 
and then gets rolled up by Dustin Rhodes in the process. Rhodes retains the US title, but is instantly clocked in the skull with the belt by an enraged Steve Austin. Stunning Steve. <laughs> we don't have the belt here, Steve. Why did he count to three if he saw the ropes? Dustin Rhodes, one, two, three. Oh, man. The winner and still champion. Oh! Well, Stunning Steve found the belt, didn't he? He sure did. Dustin Rhodes is going to be a field. Still champion and natural, Dustin Rhodes. And showing great sportsmanship, he presented it back to Dustin. Oh, yeah. The hard way. <laughs> what I've got to get, and it's right, Jesse said this on the replay, the referee counts the free and he doesn't see Austin have his legs on the rope. I don't ever think he sees it. He just imagines that he has. <laughs> but he does have his legs on the ropes. No, no, I mean the referee counts the three. No, that's not what he's, he's saying. Looking. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, oh, God, Dan, do you understand any logic? Why did the referee even bother counting the three if he'd already looked up and seen? Because you could see the referee was looking at the legs on the ropes while he was counting. So why would you count the three and uh... then instantly call the match back on? Would you not just stop and say, get your legs off the ropes? But I didn't see the referee looking at his... Uh... I didn't think he was looking. I can hear Tony in the background getting a chair <laughs> near the light bulb fixture in the roof so he can hang himself from it. <laughs> uh. Oh, fucking hell. Austin makes off with the United States Championship as a bloody Dustin Rhodes is helped to his feet by the referee in ring. What do you think of that match, then? <laughs> Wasn't all that, was it? Nope, not at all. No. Yeah. I thought it was a uh, step down from uh, the previous two singles matches we'd seen tonight. And uh, I know that Steve Austin would have been kicking himself backstage as well. I quite liked the ending, how he just uh, took him out with a belt and walked off. That was probably the best bit about the match, to be honest. Match 5, WCW World Tag Team Championship match. The Nasty Boys with Missy Hyatt versus Two Cold Scorpio and Marcus Alexander Bagwell with Teddy Longs. With, with Teddy Longs. Teddy Longs. <laughs> it's Teddy Longstockings. <laughs> and they're the new champions as well. Two Cold and Marcus Alexander Bagwell are WCW tag champs. It's brilliant, isn't it? Oh. We get to see it as well. Yeah, we did, yeah. That's how they used to do storytelling before, like WrestleMania 15 or whatever it was that they started doing promo packages. Just used to show you what happened on the previous telly. It's mental thinking that. Anyone could watch a pay-per-view now, like the Royal Rumble, and see, oh, Goldberg's back. I wonder how that happened. And then there'll be a promo package, and you'll be like, oh, yeah, dead hyped about this. Whereas, like, back then, you just sort of had to know what was going on, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, they fill you in on commentary, though. I know, but it's not the same, is it? Bagwell and Scorpio became the 69th tag champions in WCW history at the start of this same month on WCW Saturday night, defeating their challengers here tonight. And it's a well-deserved path to the top for this often forgotten and underrated tag partnership. I like him. When did Teddy Long become part of the tag team? He showed up when the gold did then by the look of it. He's a gold digger, isn't he? Yeah. Now, I ain't seen here gold digger, but he ain't messing with no broke. 
with some broke ethnic gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a point here where, like, the nasty boys come out with Missy Hyatt. Yeah. And I, I had a thought. It's not a very nice thought, but I was like, it sort of ruins Misty Hi- Missy Hyatt to think that. <laughs> Misty. What if the nasty boys got nasty with her? I reckon they did. Of course they did. In a really horrible way. It just sort of ruins it. Have you noticed she's had her hair shaved a bit? She's got like a really I short know, hair now. I don't like That's it. That's probably what they've done to her. They've dragged her by the hair back to their cave. <laughs> All her extensions came out in the process. But they sound, when they speak in the microphone, when they come down on the ramp, they sound all very polite and nice. Well, yeah, we're nasty, us. But they sound like really nice. That's so, like horrible cavemen. Like that bow selector, Christian Aguilero, is like, I'm dead dirty. <laughs> <laughs> also, they're basically just the resident beat bop and rock steady, aren't they, for WCW at this point? Yeah. Do you reckon she took them both on at the same time? That'd be even worse. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> the, um... Oh, no, I'll just skip that bit. What the wound player is. Yeah, they do the old, uh... That, I think that song came out around that time, that... Oom, there it is! Oom, there it is! Because, like, that chant goes on a lot tonight. Oh yeah, ooh, there it is. Two colds way more over than Bagwell as well out of the two. I love how um, Bagwell gets introduced to the crowd. He's all like, handsome Marcus Alexander Bagwell. Like with the television title match as well, that's another thing I liked, was uh, our old buffer. He announced the television championship match. And he also announced this match. It's quite nice, but... And, and the US title match. I'm all sick of hearing that Mar- Marcus Bagwell is a young, up-and-coming rookie that was Rookie of the Year at some point in 1972 <laughs> or something. I think he was Rookie of the Year. He's been Rookie of the Year for too long it's now. Like, it's he like... was immediately followed by The Assassin in 1965. <laughs> <laughs> Bagwell and Too Cold are also in awesome orange and black tights, which is very Halloween. They look a bit like candy corns, but like with black instead of white. <laughs> and that's kind of a fitting metaphor for their racial harmony they found in their tag team. Yeah. Sags and Bagwell start off the match with Nobs and Sags trading tags several times before dub- being double teamed by Scorpio and Bagwell and cleared the ringside. Nobs. <laughs> I'm so childish. Nobs and... I, I know, so when I said that, I had to try really hard not to say with Nobs and Slags. With Nobs and Sags going into Slags. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Car crashed my own joke. I'm just bombing today. Been having it off of a slag. Also, with two cold scopes on uh, Marcus Alexander Bagwell. <laughs> Dan, oh, God. Dan, why are you so offensive as well? <laughs> just, hey, me? Just, <laughs> you just called Missy Hyatt a slag. <laughs> <laughs> like it was nothing as well. Like it means nothing to you saying it. <laughs> just slipped under the radar. Oh. <laughs> nasty boys eventually work bagwell into their corner and to the outside with missy landing an eye-watering slap across the face of dan (laughs) and also marcus alexander bagwell i've just spliced in sound effects of that slap which actually hit Bagwell in the face, but I want everyone to imagine it going into Dan's face. And that makes it all right for me to leave that bit in the podcast. But the best thing is, 
But she keeps on getting called an escort at the start of the match. Yeah. But Bagwell's the actual escort these days. It's the other way around. Well, you think he's... No, he is. He's an actual escort. That's his job. That's true, actually, yeah. But he looks like one here as well. He's... He should have been... And he must have been doing it for extra cash. If he wasn't a wrestler, he would have been in the Chippendales, basically. Yeah, I mean, he has that vibe that never quite leaves him. But he is a legit Chippendale, so it's fitting, really. Live the gimmick, brother. <laughs> him and Bagwell probably go rip those Halloween trousers off in Bourbon Street at a ladies' night after this. I was going to say, there's a great joke from Jesse about the escort service thing. Isn't it fitting for a lady like Missy Hyatt to be uh, referred to as an escort? Wait, but who? he's the one saying it, though, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> No, no, because he's no, because he uh, Buffer announces her as with their escort. Oh right, Missy Hyatt. Oh, she... He's quite blatant about it as well. Yeah, brilliant. It's not the first thing that Jesse says today. No, that... and it's not the last either. And uh, also, with his bald skull cap on, Tony Schiavone starts channeling some in a later match as well. I've noticed. Mm. I know. I've got that one down. Awesome spot where Scorpio springs off the ropes, leapfrogs off the back of a kneeling bagwell and springboards onto the nasty boys at ringside, barely missing Missy in the process. <laughs> it's a lot of alliteration in this match. Mm. Bagwell has to pull the blonde locks of Brian Nobbs to escape and make the tag after being repeatedly coughed by Nobbs and Sags. <laughs> 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 fucking names are these no matter how you say it it sounds like a fucking gangbang knobs <laughs> and sags <laughs> I think I prefer sags to knobs as well uh, yeah I'd probably say it. he's got a harder hitting offence and he has better hair <laughs> only just Christ I wonder what Missy Hyatt prefers knobs or sacks <laughs> Completely dead air for that one. <laughs> Tumbleweed. You suck! Bagwell eventually overcomes the odds with both the nasty boys in ring, finally tagging Scorpio, who hits some kick-ass high kicks and moonsaults a standing Brian Nobbs. The match breaks down with even Teddy Long and Missy Hyatt fighting on the ring apron. Mm. That's a kind of crazy bit. Sag spots the troublesome Teddy Long, choking him and throwing him from the ring apron. Bagwell isn't far behind, however, and clunks together the heads of Sags and Missy. Poor old Missy plummets from the ring apron, and Scorpio hits his 450 splash on Nobs to finish it off. Jerry Sags, however, is not down and out. He goes all 50s dad, removing his boot, clobbers too cold <laughs> with the boot, allows Brian Nobbs to reverse the pin and the Nasty Boys win the WCW World Tag Titles for a second time at 14 minutes and 38 seconds. The best thing is it's the shortest reign of a tag team ever, I think, in WCW history. And it's a bit unfair, really. Oh, it's pretty depressing, isn't it? So did it air... Was it the night before, the Saturday, yeah. that it actually aired on TV? Ah, oh, that is tight. Well, I loved that match. I thought it was a really good match. Yeah, it was, it was, it was lovely. 
It falls sort of into those booking tropes that we talk about every time that we're not going to talk about anymore. But still, still a really solid match, and the crowd enjoyed it. And uh, I don't, I don't mind the Nasty Boys being champions. Really, they're they're kind of cool. I think they're good champions to have on the tour as well. Do you remember who was our champion this time last year on the WCW tag belts? Dusty Rhodes. New Age Outlaws. Miracle Violence Connection. Oh, fuck me. Oh, yeah. Anything's, anything's better than the Miracle Violence Connection. Backstage, Eric Bischoff interviews Sid Vicious and Colonel Robert Parker before <laughs> Sid's one-on-one match with the man called Sting. <laughs> The man they call the franchise, stepping into the ring with the man who says he rules the world. It's Halloween Havoc time here. A real scary time for you, Steve. What time is it for you, Sid? It's time for you, Steve, to wake up from the nightmare that you've been experiencing. It's time for you to step into the room. It's time for you to face reality. Yeah, some people call me Psycho Sid, but the night and Halloween Havoc will call me the Grim Reaper for what I'll do to you, Steve. I will grab you by the throat and I will lift you seven feet in the air and drive your skull on the mat in one second before you go. I'll take your soul, Steve, because I'm Sid Vicious and I rule the world. It's fucking class, Sid. He's like, he literally is a uh, 80s cartoon villain. <laughs> <laughs> he's got all the facial expressions and everything down he's fucking class I wish he would have been a, a James Bond villain or the henchman in it he's perfect as the number two guy he's not got the brains for a James Bond villain <laughs> you need to be able to do coherent long monologues as a James Bond villain that's it? true yeah he has got half the brain of that could be his gimmick, James Bond versus the man with half a brain. Yeah. <laughs> I love how Colonel Parker gets about 10 seconds of airtime and then he just cuts to Sid and we get a good 30, 40 seconds. See his vein pop out and he looks like he's going to have an heart attack. It's like, oh, Sting, I'm, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you, Sting. Arr. What does he say? I'm going to choke slam your skull into the ground or something. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, He's got that growl. Yeah. He's got a growl. I fucking love him. He's yeah. brilliant. There wasn't too many glaring errors, though. He didn't no. trip up it. They were confident, bad lines. The best promo before this is when the Shockmaster fell over and Sid Vicious tried to carry on like it was like nothing. That's what makes me love Sid so much. Uh, just, I watch that sometimes if I feel depressed about my life and it makes me feel alright. <laughs> and Sid's the one that makes me feel alright again is the fact that... He's just still confidently striding ahead with it and trying not to break kayfabe. <laughs> oh, God. But it's not a bad promo. And uh, it got me fired up for Sid being the latest big man to fall to the man called Sting. I love it, the playing for who's the franchise. Who's the franchise? Sid doesn't know what the word franchise means, though, so <laughs> they changed it to the man who rules the world just to keep it simple for Sid. Like, Sting, I'm the man that rules the world. And Sting's like, well, I'm just the franchise of WCW, mate. I don't have any say over who rules the world, lad. Also, for su- for a man that can barely talk, he's got such a long, unsnappy catchphrase. <laughs> I'm the man who rules the world. <laughs> you see, Mr. Bond, I am the man who rules the world. He wouldn't say it like that, though, would you? 
and the man who owes the world. Ah. That's the problem. That's what Sid doesn't understand. I was watching this thing about James Gandolfini the other day, and it said the reason why James Gandolfini was brilliant is his inflection. If it said in the script, you hate me, if you were an actor, you'd read that and you'd go, you hate me? Because, you know, it's in an argument, but he'd say it in like a laughing, joking way. And Sid doesn't understand any inflection, so he thinks, if you're a bad guy, you have to be angry all the time. I don't think Sid Vicious could get a part in The Sopranos, though. He's not very Italian, that seems to be the main problem. Sting has awesome green, sparkly Halloween-style attires. At least, yeah. And heads out tonight in front of a rapturous New Orleans crowd. Go on, then, talk about him. You've been going on about him all day. Say it. Say it. All I've heard all day is about this guy. Go on, Dan. This is your moment to shine. He's just mental, isn't he? I thought he was going to have a fucking God, who are we talking about, Dan? Who are you talking about? Explain about it, Dan. you got to paint a picture. This, this Stinger fan. You're worse than Tony Schiavone. No. He's got his T-shirt on. He's got his red face paint. He's got his weird 90s fucking Sting haircut. And he's just... Po- he's like his eyes are going to pop out. Do you know what he reminds me of as well? Tony won't get this, unfortunately. But do you remember the episode of Seinfeld with, We're the devils! We're the devils! Oh, yeah. Fucking, uh, what's his name? The one that thingy goes out with. The mechanic guy. (laughs) That Elaine goes out with. Yeah, the mechanic. We're the devils! Don't mess with the devil, buddy! We're number one. We beat anybody. We're the devils! The devils! (laughs) (laughs) But unfortunately, they damn... We're going to have to put him up to that court that I was saying earlier. I think this is a plant, isn't it? He's not a real guy. Yeah, I reckon so. What uh, what sort of, like, I don't know, what sort of a guy with any sort of self-esteem would go to a WCW event with Stinger paint on and a Stinger t-shirt? He's got a receding blonde airline, so he's obviously, <laughs> like, old enough to know better, you know? To, like, go dressed up like a maniac. He looks about 27. But his mate's holding him back as well. But he's acting like he's 12. I know. It's like they would have had to have got a 12-year-old kid to play that part and they realised that there's probably some sort of legal wrangling that you have to pay extra money to have child actors employed. They blew all the budget on the opening video. No, they didn't. They blew all the budget on Ric Flair's pyro, but we'll get to that later. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, He looks like the guy that played the kid in the, what was it, Terminator 1 and 2. I thought it was him, just with his haircut. Yeah, so I think he's a plant, that guy. Yeah, I think so. But he cuts into him in the match again at one point. And again, he's just going all mental. Still losing his shit. We're the devils! <laughs> I love that episode. You're the smears. She's devils. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't be with a face painter. He's probably still single because no woman will go out of him because of the face painter episode. Oh, what's his name? Begins with a... Oh, it's going to annoy me now that we don't know his name. From uh, Seinfeld. Putty, David Putty. Putty, yeah, David Putty. Sid is floored instantly by Sting with several clotheslines and a suplex. The crowd chant USA as Sting heads off in pursuit of Sid Vicious, mm. who has escaped into the crowd at ringside. They're both from America, though. <laughs> yeah. They crowd brawl and Sting works Sid back into the ring at a refreshingly quick pace. For having to get such a tall guy through the crowd and back again, it doesn't go on for an age like some of the late 90s crowd brawling did in the WWF. Colonel Rob Parker grabs at Sting's foot, distracting Stinger long enough for Sid Vicious to hit the choke slam. Let me get that. He said he was going to do that in his promo as well. 
Yeah, choke slam his face to the ground. Stupid Sid as well. Waste time on the turnbuckle screaming about the world again rather than making the cover. Yet it won there. I think he should have been a poet, you know. He should have been writing poems. I love that. Fuck you, Bush. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you, Bush. It's time to get out of Iraq, Bush. What were you even doing there in the first place, Bush? You didn't even get properly elected, Bush. Are you happy now, Bush? Fuck you, Bush. Wow. I love the way the last line is the same as the first line. Thanks. I did that on purpose. Well, it could be called Fuck You, Bish and be about his booking pattern. Fuck you, Bish. You weren't even properly employed anyway, Bish. <laughs> that should have been Jim Ross, Bish. <laughs> I should have beat Sting, Bish. <laughs> Also, that's not the last time Colonel Rob Parker will be reaching for the ropes and the legs between the ropes. Saucy man. <laughs> yeah, that does sound a bit sexual. Uh, Maybe he's going to the same place that Bagwell and Too Cold are going to strip at later. What, knob, knobs and sags? <laughs> that was a joke I made earlier, Dan, that fell completely flat. Yeah, I know. Uh, cheers for that. <laughs> Brilliant. At ringside, Sid Vicious hits an incredibly underwhelming steel chair shot into the back of Sting. I think that's just so the ref can't hear it. <laughs> oh, is it? Yeah, that. No, come on. I don't. No, no, it's not. That was just like how I sort of justified it to myself. I was like, that's terrible. That <laughs> the ref didn't hear it though, did he? The crowd helped fire up the Stinger again and again when he looks down and out. And that must be great as Sting as well, to know that whatever big old lummox you're going up against, the fans are always going to be fully invested in your match. Because mm. we've seen this now endlessly. Sid Vicious, Lex Luger, The Prisoner. Jake the Snake. Well, I can figure out why the crowd got into this Jake the Snake match this time last year. But you always know as a performer that because you're Sting, it doesn't matter and the crowd are going to be into it and go with every toss and turn of the match and even when you're down they're gonna will you back to your feet and you're not gonna have to like beg for it pretty much what wwe wants for reigns mm. yeah and pretty much what they've had with cena as well huge inevitable comeback from sting much like john cena culminates with colonel robert parker trying to interfere but accidentally grabbing the legs of the big monster sid instead sid is almost pinned and then loses his mind grabbing his manager and ripping him up to the ring apron. It looks like he's about to clock his manager, but Sting sees the opportunity and rolls Sid up for the win at an entertaining 10 minutes and 41 seconds. He's got everybody's foot. Look at this. Colonel don't know who's like to grab. He grabs Sid. Look at this. pretty entertaining match obviously Sting was always going to go over I thought Sid at this point was going to choke slam Colonel Parker but obviously that didn't happen just walked off this was going to be Sid's big push but then he got fired for uh, jibbing up fucking Arn Anderson in a hotel with a <laughs> pair of scissors and almost fucking killing him oh yeah I remember that yeah Jesus Christ so is that the end of Sid Vicious now is he done I think so, but... It's not straight away. 
It's a few weeks or a few months after he gets fired. No, I do think he's done. I remember reading about it. He was uh, this was going to be his big push, and then uh, obviously you don't stop. <laughs> Tell you what, it sounds like Craig Bellamy going after John Arnarisa with a golf club. It pretty much is, but more vicious and lots of steroids involved. The Bellamy and John Arnarisa one was fueled by like karaoke arguments and Strongbow and Lambert and Butlers. Whereas <laughs> this was like Tony said, much more steroids yeah. and amphetamines probably. Because Sid was stacked to the fucking tea on steroids at this point. I didn't think that was such a bad match. Knowing how bad Sid's matches can be and how they're normally short, Sting dragged him to a convincing 10-minute match here, I thought. Yeah, it was all right. Some nice little bits. I was thinking at this point, we're like well over halfway through. We've got the last two matches, which are the Rude and Flair rematch and the Cactus-Vader main event Texas death match. I was thinking, well, there's not been a bomb match on the card so far. We've had like an incredible run. Yeah. of good matches on the pay-per-view tonight. It's actually amazing. I think it's the first time we've done this for a while where I sat through the whole pay-per-view and just watched it without having to take a break or have a little stop. It flowed quite nicely. The matches just flowed quite nicely, one after another. Yeah, and there's not a lot of stuff that holds the pay-per-view up or there's not a lot that goes wrong or no. that much comic relief going on. Well, I'm I'm just checking my notes. Yeah, um, that's because not a single match goes over the 20-minute mark. Ah, right, yeah, so they're making it more palatable. There's not as many rest spots. Might just also be a fact that a lot of the people in the matches tonight are competent hands and uh, solid wrestlers, you know, Orndorff, Steamboat, Steve Austin, Dustin Rhodes, Regal, Davey Boy. They're all good wrestlers. There's no no denying that. Mm. Nasty Boys are great. I mean, Bagwell and Scorpio are good at what they do. Yeah. It's like backhanded compliment there. Brilliant. All the bits where it isn't wrestling, they're like competent, sensible vignettes. Really, the only jarring thing in the pay-per-view was the crazy video at the start as well. I love how they hyped up Battle Bowl as the next pay-per-view. said, it's not on Starcade this year. It's got his own pay-per-view. I was like, bloody hell. God help us all. It's just what we need. So who's going to get the ring? They're not going to get that ring for a year. It's like all the Christmas presents I got for people over Christmas. It's still in the jewellery shop. Something gold. Happy Christmas. It's, it's just a, a, a little thing. I did get you another thing, but the, the stupid thing didn't arrive in time. Oh, right. It is gold. What did you get me? <laughs> Dan's just bewildered. <laughs> I know. Match seven. WCW World International Heavyweight Championship match. Officially recognised. Ric Flair with Fifi versus Ravishing Rick Rude, champion. Where is it recognised, Tony? What countries did they say? It's officially recognised by the International Board of WCW as a heavyweight championship. And they said um, <laughs> the UK, Europe, Japan, Asia. Like Japan and Asia are separate things, apparently. We had mentioned to Ravishing Rick Rude that... WCW did not recognize your title, but the WTW International Board of Directors made up of promoters from the UK, Germany, Asia, Japan, recognize the title. 
Do you reckon backstage, Dusty Rhodes is drawing up plans for a galactic championship belt? He'd <laughs> 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 be like, well, the international belt's going to have to go on tour, so we'll have the galactic one, daddy. If Bulldog was champion, what would it be? The World Heavyweight Heavyweight World Championship or something? What did he say? The World Championship Heavyweight Championship of the World. <laughs> As Ric Flair comes out with Fifi, Jesse says... You know... Fifi's looking awful good for somebody that spends her life down on her knees scrubbing floors. <laughs> to which Tony bizarrely replies, <laughs> Well, that's the way beautiful women are, Jesse. They can be on the floor just scrubbing away, but you make them up, take them out on the town, and they look wonderful. It's fucking awful, that live. Oh, God. Tony completely trips up on his own retort there. I don't think he knows, like how to take it and he, tr- he tries to make it like he tries to be the good guy but like ends up completely fluffing his lines every line is offensive that's how beautiful women are well fair enough that's not that offensive they can be on the floor just scrubbing away but you make them up so you have to be the one to make them up they can't make themselves up you make them up and take them out on the town and they look wonderful so you pat them on the head and treat them as an object and they look just grand they love it when you take them out. You've got to take them out. They can't go out on the town on their own, can they? Well, they're not going to make much money scrubbing the floor at home, are they? <laughs> it's fucking horrible. It's just insane. I, I, did, I did a massive double take with that one. I was like, did he say that? I know, it's crazy. Like, what the fuck? So translation, a woman should be barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen. <laughs> and Tony goes, no, no, they can be, but you can also take them out in the town. They look just great. What wonderful arm candy they all make. And she does look great, doesn't she? Could she scrub your floors, Tony? No, she did not, Jesse. No, I said, could she? I didn't ask if she did. I'm asking you, would you let her? Tony? The challenger. I'm not going to answer that. Jesse might have for a split second thought that somehow he's got around scrubbing his floors. <laughs> <laughs> like he's managed to nail Fifi after a Saturday night taping or something. <laughs> when Flair's been passed out from Coke. <laughs> or drinking. Coke wouldn't pass you out. He's like, I never said that. I said, would you? Would you have a scrub in your floors, Tony? He's like, I'm not answering that. <laughs> so I won't answer that question. He's like, I think he sort of realised how, how low he'd sunk at that point and just sort of like hung his head in shame and was like, oh, it's gone too far, this one. Fifi is just basically the sexist segue for the commentary team at this point in the card now, on every card, it seems. Mm. Ravishing Rick emphasises how he assumes himself to be the undisputed world champion, not recognising Vader's title, <laughs> and riles up another mark at ringside in the process. Oh, brilliant, yeah. He's like, he's like, you get out of my town! Get out of my town! <laughs> He's dressed way too smart to be that angry as well. But he looks like a second-hand car dealer. He does, yeah. There's a cheapness because he's got like a nice... <laughs> that suit. He's got like, yeah, it's like a nice suit, but it's like also like flamingo pink. <laughs> it looks like it's made from cheap material. It's probably the same guy that did the sting thing. <laughs> yeah, he's going for a costume change. Yeah, a quick costume change, come out. Yeah, get course. out of my town! Forgets to take the face paint off. <laughs> <laughs> Full suit. People think it's the mask. <laughs> Flair's intro from Mike- Michael Buffer is so grandiose, it requires a procession of pyro to spill from the ceiling after completion. Introducing first, 
wearing the purple trunks and weighing in at 238 pounds from Charlotte, North Carolina. He is accompanied by the very lovely Mademoiselle Fifi. He steps into the ring tonight in an unfamiliar role as a challenger, and he's hungry to regain the title. He is one of the all-time superstars of professional wrestling. He is the former 10-time heavyweight champion of the world. He is the nature boy, ladies and gentlemen, Rick the challenger flair in royal purple trunks starts big against champion rude who is in purple oh, stop for a second you need what? to you need to comment on rude's pants that's what do you think i'm doing oh go on sorry go on you're so annoying let me finish the bullet point and then i'll do it flair in royal purple trunks starts big against champion rude who is in purple themed <laughs> tights pumpkin themed tights <laughs> oh you made me bug it up now you bastard <laughs> <laughs> do you just want to go on tell us about the tights then dan now you've crashed into it well he's got trick-or-treat on him which is very nice yeah and he's got fifi's face he's got rick flair's face which i was like oh and then he turned and saw his ass and i was like oh the pumpkin oh speaking of which my uh i've started playing a bit of the old wwe 2k16 again is it know? not 2k17 have you got the old have you got oh last i've got year's the old one? i've got i've got last year's one i've not got oh, the new one yet it's not even a current reference i have to keep cutting these out <laughs> no no but my pants I, I made i made me wrestler and i was making him dead serious like a japanese indie type fellow and then all of a sudden i spotted some leopard print pants and was like i know what i'll do i'll make ravishing anthony daniels and then i used the uh, app on my phone to put Dan's face on me tights, <laughs> and I got Jason's face on me ass. That is quite good, actually. I'd like to see that. <laughs> I'll send you the picture. Flair starts out big against Champion Rude, who is in pumpkin-themed tights, hitting a back body drop, delivering chops in the corner, and then following up with a sweet suplex. It is a sweet suplex. It's a lovely adjective they use there for it, Mark. Flair locks in a figure four just moments later in the centre of the ring. Terry Taylor is our second official, of course, and he's wandering around aimlessly at ringside and is roundly emasculated by Jesse Ventura at every corner. Yeah, he's pissed, isn't he, at this point, Ventura? At one point, Jesse just calls him a load. He goes, what's that load at ringside Terry Taylor doing? Literally calling him shit. You undersold the figure four. Don't ever undersell a figure four, Mark. So then back in ring... The nature boy works away at the leg of Ravishing Rick. Both men fall over the ropes to ringside from a crossbody and Rick Rude goes crashing through a steel chair near the commentary table. Terry Taylor disarms Rick Rude as he wheels a steel chair on the outside. Jesse's pretty pissed off about that as well. They rest hold for a lot in the middle of the bout with Rude locking his favourite camel clutch in on Nature. It's not bad, though. I don't mind all the rest holding in this match. It's not a, a, an MVC match, is it? No, I'm not, I don't even mean that. Do you remember the last match? The last match was rest hold, sir. Like, between these two. Oh, uh, yeah, we were... Yeah, I remember we were disappointed. Flair steals the rude awakening for a second time in a row on the podcast. Only gets the two count. He was quite slow to get the pin, though. 
like to go for the pin, sorry. The referee in ring has Flair Irish whipped into him in the corner and bumps to the outside. This means Terry Taylor <laughs> has to spring into action. I love this. And no sooner is Taylor in ring, he is jaw-jacked inadvertently by Ravishing Rick. Hops onto the ring and then just gets knocked down straight away. Well, and it's also my point exactly from earlier where they're definitely making him eat a couple of shit sandwiches. Yeah. They're pissing on his bonfire for having gone to the WWF. A wrestler has to take a referee bump on his return. It is bad, yeah. Rude whips out his favourite international object, we'll call it. Yeah, Rude has some weird plastic white brass knuckles, which I know plastic and brass knuckles doesn't actually exist in the same sentence. That's a A real thing. Well, you can't have something that's plastic and brass. (laughs) I didn't even see that point. I just swore it's like, yeah, because obviously brass knuckles are metal, aren't they? (laughs) But they are, they're like, they would be brass knuckles, but they're plastic. No sooner does Rude get those out of his tights, he's suplexed by Flair and disarmed in the process. The cameraman at ringside grabs the foreign object and passes it to Flair later on, who then punches the champion's lights out and pins him. Terry Taylor counts the three, but as his hand comes down for the final count, he's stopped by the first referee, who has regained consciousness at ringside and observed all that's unfolded. The referee admonishes Nate and disqualifies him at 19 minutes and 22 seconds as the crowd chant bullshit. Oh, he hit him! No! No! Was that it? Was that the three count? Referee's telling Taylor something or other. He saw Nature Boy hit him! Yes! Yes! He is going to disqualify Blair and give it to Rude! As much as Terry Taylor wanted Rick Rude to win this match, he couldn't pull it off! The cameraman, Robbie, is the lighting guy. Was he just push, trying to push him away or did he actually give him to Flair? So it looked like he was just putting him in the corner of the ring to get him out of the way. He pocketed them and then handed them back. Yeah, do you think that was an accident and he wasn't supposed to clear them away? I don't and know. And then realised, oh shit. Maybe. Because why else would he have any inclusion in the match? Unless he turns out to be someone else like down the line or whatever. Might be your mate, Dan Kevin Sullivan. <laughs> Flair attempts to leave with the belt, so Rude leaves with Fifi instead. Flair cuts him off and attempts a figure four on the raised rampway, but is pulled off by referees. Terry Taylor. Yeah, well, and like a couple of others get involved, I noticed at ringside as well, just to make it look like Flair has to be held back by enough men. I love how Flair's not like, oh, come on, Fifi, we'll go together. He just grabs the belt and fucks off. I'll ask Tony first, actually. Tony, what did you think of that second bout between your boys, Ravishing Rick and Nature Boy Rick? Yeah, it was much better than the first attempt. It still wasn't like fucking five-star classic, like, you know, say Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins or Roman Reigns versus Kevin Owens or like, you know, it just wasn't five-star class, but it was still pretty good, actually. Yeah, I liked it. I thought it was quite a competent match. Longest match of the evening, I think, wasn't it? At 19 minutes and 22 Mm -hmm. seconds, but it didn't feel that bad. 
bit of a dodgy finish, a bit overbooked, a bit like, you know. Did you not like the finish? Because I quite like the finish because it's Ric Flair is a bit of a cheater. <coughs> no, I do like that. He is the dirtiest player in the game. Yeah, so I quite liked him going that way. No, but it was the two referee thing. I could have handled him cheating and winning. It was the bit where the ref reversed the decisions and there was two referees and obviously Terry Taylor fucking... Oh, was... Well, this is a common thing tonight because obviously we had it in the Steve Austin match as well. Like he actually did the pin, but then he reversed the decision. Tony's got a point where a lot of the matches have been very overbooked tonight. Like there's always shenanigans at the end of one match or another. It seems like it's fucking you know, back to Dusty Rhodes 101 booking. Pretty much what it seems like. Dusty's in the back booking again. Yeah, away well, he is, yeah, but there's uh, there's a lot more. Oh, he is? Yeah, there's a lot more holding his I can, well, I can tell him. hand, though, this time. That fucking explains it. Do you think we'll ever see a good flair, like a, a classic flair, rude match during doing this, or won't we? Only time will tell, Daniel. Only time will tell. It's time for your main event, Texas Death Match. Big Van Vader with Harley Race versus Cactus Jack. The rules are as followed. No disqualifications in the match. Fools do not count, so as in fools do not win the match, but you can still pin. If you pin your opponent, there is a 30 second rest period. Fools can occur anywhere in the arena, so it's a bit like fools don't count anywhere in a way. And the match continues until one man can't get to his feet after 10 seconds. That doesn't include the rest period, so if you pin someone for a three count, and then the 30 seconds is automatically enforced you can't then include that 10 seconds in the 30 seconds so it's actually 40 mm. seconds you have to keep them down for or you just don't pin them i was gonna say why would you pin unless you're actually knackered yourself mm. it's kind of weird yeah jack and vader brawl on the rampway straight away vader has his mask off in seconds and means business tonight did you notice how he's not wearing his gloves yeah he's going old school and he's going proper bare knuckle because he's up for the fight it's a nice little touch, yeah. Cactus grabs a fan's camera and clobbers Vader over the skull with it. Another plant, no doubt. There's no way you'd actually use someone's camera and then, then be all right with it as well. No, the lady takes not. the camera back and sits down. Really? <laughs> yeah. That was in the UK and that was like a legit thing. The person would be going fucking mental. Anywhere. It wouldn't just be the UK. Imagine if someone took your goddamn... I just got, I just got a new phone. If someone took my phone be, and cl- hit a wrestler over the head with it, I'd hit them over the head with my fist. You shoe. You go old school and use your shoe, probably. Yeah, I'll take a leaf out of uh, the Nasty Boys book. Um, Cactus Jack follows up with a nice steel chair shot to the big man's skull. Yeah, he knows how to actually sell a chair shot as well. He actually fucking jabs him. And yeah, he gives him a hearty chair shot in the face. And th- this is the great thing about these matches between these two men. They both know that they're just going to leather each other, so you can really unload. Yeah. I mean, in ring, Vader flattens Jack with a clothesline that alone would have given you hearing problems, never mind about the Aries are going to lose in a few months in these matches. Yeah. Belly-to-back suplex on the raised rampway by Cactus Jack. Harley Race emerges with a chair but gets cut off by Jack, who takes the chair in the process. Kind of like that burglar knife thing they tell you about when you're at school, you know? Where they say, don't go for a burglar with a knife in case they grab it and use it on you. And that's exactly what happens here. Also, you see Cactus Jack's bleeding from the left eye quite heavily from those bare knuckles. 
it's he's blade it's a blade job that though is it or is it no it's not a blade job no no really before this match backstage vader said shall i take off my gloves and jack was like yeah yeah do it let's try it let's see what happens and we'll just probably punch each other mental because i mean this is jack's main event this is the biggest match of his career at this point and in fact he says on his on his documentary that his plan for this match was to go out in a big bang you know take huge bumps and uh, cash in his Lloyds of London insurance policy and retire from wrestling. This was as good as it was going to get for Cactus Jack. That's what he thought, yeah. So he's legitimately trying to get his career ended in this match. So it's really quite disturbing to watch. Mm. Cactus Jack tumbles through the set with Vader at the top of the rampway and into a grave with a tombstone reading R.I.P. Vader on it. Jack gets a pinfall on Vader, who is now also busted open. Again, what you were saying, Dan. At the conclusion of the 30-second rest period, Jack launches a giant wooden prop cactus into the face of Vader. <laughs> I love that. Cactus gets a second pinfall from a sick diving elbow from the raised rampway onto Big Van Vader and the hard concrete arena floor. This is where the table comes into play, in it? After this. Yeah, Cactus Jack finds the table at ringside. And then props it up against the ropes in the ring near the turnbuckle. And I thought, oh, here we go. He's going to like spear him through the table or something. But instead he just sort of like launches him into it and he bounces off it. The ref sets up the table for him. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess in a Texas... It's strange on that. Deathmatch, anything goes. Some sickening spots follow at ringside. At one point, Cactus just front flips over the railings onto the back of his head on the concrete. It's crazy. Harley Race has a taser at ringside as both men battle back into the ring. Big Van Vader nails a huge moonsault off the top turnbuckle for a three count and 30 second respite. It's mental. Every time I see him do that moonsault, I always fear for the the way he's going to land on someone. No, I was thinking he's going to end up on his neck. How did it... What match was it? Was it Vader that landed on Bulldog's head? Was that Vader when we saw that? Yeah, yeah. He nearly squashed fucking Bulldog's skull. I was thinking about Izuka when he got his face crushed by one of the Steiners. That was great. Uh, yeah, oh, that, that was brutal. We as need well. to do a top five crushed faces segment at some point. <laughs> Cactus Jack mounts the back of Vader on the raised rampway, attempting to choke the monster out, and Big Van Vader simply drops his full body weight on the back of Cactus Jack. Oh, it's made me. It's horrible, wasn't it? Absolute killer spot. The fucking sound of it. Vader carrying him back up to the runway, back to the graves again. Oh, falls back with him. Oh. Whoa. Yeah, that was the spot from the mouth of Mick himself. He says, When I was on Vader's back, and he essentially crushed me, I had a Lloyd's of London insurance policy. I was honestly tired of politics. I'd worked so hard. I, I knew things were not looking up. And that essentially was going to be the end of my career. And then I was like, oh, I can move. Like, oh, ah, I, you know, and I went to a few doctors. And of course, there were some things wrong with me, but uh, I never was able to cash in on that, you know, <laughs> Lloyd's of London insurance policy. Just because the sound and the reaction, even with the commentary. And also Vader has to then also pin him and then lie down so that it sort of makes sense to pin him, but he needs 30 seconds for like EMTs to come out and make sure he can breathe a bit. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, I guess they follow up with a couple of DDTs on a chair before that, but still, it's fucked up. The match continues after the second DDT on the chair, and Harley Race pretends awfully to shock Cactus Jack with the taser. <laughs> I love how he's building up that taser for the whole match as well. Oh, he's shown it to the crowd, pressing the, the button, but when he does it, it just looks really shit. Because the problem is, is he presses the button to demonstrate the taser and it makes a cool noise, yeah. right? But that's the button you press when you shock people. But because it makes a cool noise and does a little sparkly thing in between the two prongs, it's obvious when you're not doing that. So you can see that when he presses yeah. it into the leg of Jack, it's not on. So like as a TV viewer, it's like, oh, what a crap gimmicky taser spot. So he goes down and he's just like, ah, my leg. <laughs> oh, <laughs> with that much emotion as well Ark, my leg when really he's thinking oh my insides are fucking crushed from Vader squishing me about five minutes ago back then Vader makes it to his feet as Cactus Jack doesn't and wins the match at 15 minutes and 59 seconds he stung him with it he got him with volts of electricity Tony and Vader's up Vader's up at 10 this match is over! Ladies and gentlemen, Vader rose to his feet first. He wins the match, the Texas Death Match. Here is your winner, Vader. What did you think of that match? I didn't like it. Didn't you? Fantastic match. I thought it was just a bit too much. I couldn't watch it that much. Which is why I've spent spent most of it silent. I was going to say, you're very silent. I've spent most of my time watching that absolutely fucking cringing. Why? It wasn't a masterclass. It was more just two guys wailing fuck out of each other. But that's the gimmick between the two of them, though. Like, Cactus Jack is just a brawler. I know, there is working stiff and working as a brawler, but then there's, like, also watching someone fucking put their life on the line, and it's a bit more disgusting than actually... Well... You know what I mean? This... That's what Jack does back in the day. He puts I his. Know. I know, I just didn't like it. Bischoff wanted to get rid of him because he used to just throw himself over downstairs, and he said that's not what we were about back then. As a teenager, I'd have fucking loved that match. Like, I'd have probably been, like, fucking... But like as watching it now, I'm like, oh Jesus, that just it just looks too dangerous. Like the wrestling tastes have progressed beyond that. It is a very ECW seventeen year old white knuckle brawl, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. That's a fair point. I guess I got so engrossed in the stories behind the bumps that uh I kind of glorified the match regardless of the pacing. More also the case that both guys are still actually in pretty damn good health as of 2017. So it's like... No, don't... That, that Vader's dying in two years. Oh, but he's, he's, been, he's, seen to, he's been to see about four doctors and said it might just be a miscalculation. I hope so, because he's a lovely guy. Yeah, fair enough. Oh, I enjoyed it, but... It's... That's just my thoughts on it. One man's tears, another man's coffee. There's also... This was uh, the last ever Vader-Cactus Jack match that you'll ever see in WCW. Pay-per-view or just... In- yeah, on pay-per-view, yeah, yeah, obviously through the tours or whatever, but uh, the uh, big wigs at upstairs didn't like it too much either and they never wanted to see it again. They need a big family image like Hulk Hogan. It's the end of Catcher's tracks, like, big push anyway. Post-match, Vader wanders off celebrating, leaving his manager Harley Race to almost have his head pulled off from a sick-looking double-arm DDT on the rampway from Cactus Jack. 
Like because Harley Race is quite an old man, even at this point in '93, he can't bump properly. He can't bend his knees to bump. It looks like he's given the double arm DDT to a scarecrow. <laughs> Our commentary team wraps things up in a disorganized manner, much like this podcast. Wishes us good night, and the credits roll. So, spot of the night. Just throw it out there. One of you can pick it up. I'm gonna go with, you know, you know where this is going, don't you? Go on. Spot of the night is uh, Rick Rick Rude's tights. What? Just the whole general ensemble that he's got. Yeah, he's on point tonight. <laughs> he's looking fetch. Stop trying to make fetch happen. Spot of the night, Dan. I've got to go with Tony. It's the tights because when I first watched it. That's true. You were excited for the tights. I was just engrossed by those tights. That and the Stinger fans are the only thing I fucking heard all day. Really? Tights and Stinger fan? Yeah. I'm going to go wrestling here because we had a card here and a pay-per-view with a real load of solid matches. It's a nice high-flying spot. I mean, the one thing I like about Two Cold Scorpio is he delivers tons of high-flying action to an era where that was few and far between, you know? So I really like the spot where he leapfrogged off of Bagwell's back grazed the top of the ropes and landed on the nasty boys i thought that was a real great moment and like it was straight out of lucha as well we've not seen anything like that on the podcast since jushin thunder liger that's true the pillman juicing match yeah oh god those were good days so yeah that'd be my spot of the night but to the night the assassin's 20 minute climb to the ring apron fucking <laughs> 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 just looks so hard bro go on then uh having the equalizer in any match <laughs> my botch of the night is probably the failed stun gun in the dustin mm. Rhodes steve austin match because that was already flagging that match and i was thinking this isn't going well between two competent hands in the ring and they botched the finish brutally match of the night then oh it's got to be obviously cactus jack versus vader I was engrossed for the whole whatever 15 minutes it was. Even when the match itself didn't make any bloody sense in terms of falls don't count, but they still had to pin the bloody bastard. Tony, match of the night. Uh, William Regal versus Davy Boy Smith. Masterclass in technical mat wrestling. The Battle of Britain. From old Regal and fuck it. Yeah, the Battle of Britain. We fought them on the beaches. <laughs> <laughs> we were cooking in the kitchen with Sting and fucking whoever else was there cooking it was, it, it was, I really enjoyed that match more than I actually thought I would my match of the night is none of those my match of the night was the tag championship match the Nasty Boys versus Too Cold and Marcus Alexander Bagwell because it had everything it had a title change managers and ballets nice bit of good old-fashioned early 90s sexism thrown in by the commentary team oh actually <laughs> actually that was mainly in the flair match but they, they got it good for missy didn't they they got a good load of it in there yeah yeah everyone's got it good for missy <laughs> oh god that just sounds like leering now and then it's not even well thought out um <laughs> yeah it was a good match i enjoyed it i enjoyed the pay-per-view as a whole to be honest i thought it was a really good pay-per-view Mm. yeah it flowed so that was Halloween Havoc 1993 we'll be back again for Battle Bowl it's got it's own pay-per-view and it's gonna be shit we'll work <laughs> we'll work our way through it we'll get through it somehow we'll make it entertaining um, even if WCW don't
in the meantime, you can check us out on Twitter. Give us a message there at We Can't Watch WCW. Like and subscribe on the Twitter on iTunes on the Twitter, <laughs> as Dan says. Like and subscribe on iTunes. We've had a bit of interest on Facebook lately. I've noticed some perv keeps coming and looking at the Facebook every now and again. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing over there. He's trying to get up the the courage to like the page. I know that's what it seems like. What it feels like is that people are listening to this podcast because they are, and uh, they're going, "Oh yeah, maybe I will go like it." Oh, it's only got eighteen likes. I won't like it. That's why all of you are letting us down. <laughs> like it, and then more people will. The Twitter's got a load of likes, though. So. Yeah, followers down. Called followers, followers. The Twitter. <laughs> Sell it, me fucking granddad. <laughs> Austin, play us out. <laughs> Microphone then, what are you saying? I'm saying it's a lot better. Yeah, it sounds good. Mac. I like it. I think it sounds nice. Silky smooth. Match four. Let's test it. Uh, what are you saying? I was going to fart. I was going to see how loud it was, but it's alright. Go on. Why do you need to fart oh, after you've been to the toilet? What's wrong with you? I only had a piss. No, I fart while I... Well, yeah, but while I take a piss, I always fart. Yeah. You two are just weird. You just get it out all out, though, yeah. Yeah, but what if you shit yourself? Then you're, def- then you're right by the place you need to be if you shit yourself. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> Bloody hell, Dan, your logic. What if you shit yourself? You want to be sat down in your chair in front of your computer. <laughs> yeah, but then you know that you shit yourself, and if there's anyone around, you can just hide it and go, ooh, nasty smell of that. And then just try and sneak off and get some extra pairs of boxes. Where would you sneak off to? The toilet. <laughs> the toilet. <laughs> <Fucking> <laughs> Did you drink paint on New Year's? Is that what went on? <laughs> Probably knowing these Chinese bars.